Good evening, Grace family. We're so excited to worship together with you. Would you stand as we prepare to praise our God tonight? Grace 
Jesus rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause Christ rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony.
And welcome to our very last service of um, Go Week 2022. I am Ian. I'm Elizabeth. And we are part of the Grace Student Ministry uh, here. Uh, you were just uh, led by our wonderful Grace Youth Worship Team. Let's give it up for them. Tonight you'll be hearing from some of our Grace Church international workers who serve in various places around the world. So first we will have... Um, and Sina Lau, um, and then we will have our very own Jessica Schaefer um, serving in West Africa, while Sue and, Su and Sina Lau are serving in Cambodia. We'll also get a foretaste of heaven as we get to worship in multiple languages, and then we'll watch a brief video highlighting the central heartbeat of the Alliance, which is to take the gospel to the dark corners of the earth where the name of Jesus has never been heard. So without further ado, give it up for Su and Sina Lau. I'm 
Hey guys, my name is Sangha. Welcome to Poi Pet, Cambodia. This is where I've lived my entire life, just a few kilometers away from the Thailand border. I live here with my mom, my three younger brothers, and my older sister. When my mom was younger, a group of soldiers called the Khmer Rouge started a war and killed a lot of Cambodians. There are still a lot of landmines around from those days that could explode if we step on them. So, we have to be careful where we walk. It could be dangerous, but if you know where to go, it's pretty safe. Most of the people in Cambodia practice Buddhism. They also pray to their dead relatives, and they believe their spirits live in tiny houses. But we don't do that. This house you see here was built by a group of Christians from the United States on a mission trip. That was pretty cool. I think I have it pretty good. We don't have water in our house, so we get all our water from this well. It's clean, so we use it to wash ourselves and brush our teeth. We also use it for cooking and washing pots and pans. My dad has been in jail for a long time, so that makes me the man of the house. I look after my brothers, making sure they do their homework and chores. There's a lot of work to be done, and my mom needs all the help she can get with five kids. I make sure the garden is in good shape. I trim the dead leaves on the banana trees so they have more room to grow. I water the garden. Things grow really fast here. I have to till the ground so I can prepare it for planting. I'm working the ash into the ground because it's like a fertilizer for the crops. There's a pond nearby where I can trap fish. We eat a lot of fish. Sometimes, I see snakes in the water. Many are poisonous, but I've never been bit. I also make sure we have firewood. There's so much of it, I just grab it from the forest by our house and cut it up. We cook most of our meals over the fire. When our chores and schoolwork are done, we like to play. We make up games to play, like kick the bottle. It's fun to play with my brothers. I like it when our pastors come to visit. They help us with our Bible studies. We pray together and we sing praise songs to Jesus. Would you pray for us so that we would be examples of Jesus to our neighbors? Bye. Thanks for hanging out with my family today. We love visitors. Come back again soon. Bye-bye. Hello. Yeah. Good evening. Thank you for, for having us here. And um, when we moved to Point Pat and um, we found out that this family was living in a remote place and uh, where they're living, the land surrounded by the landmines. So we, uh, uh, Sina and I, we went there and get them back to live in the village in Point Pat. And um, so when they live in the land, and uh, usually they go and pick up water from the neighbors. And the neighbor usually say that, if your God is a good God, with powerful, why can't you get your own water? And come to pick, uh, rather than come to uh, pick uh, the water in our area. So the persecution, always the mocking at the Christian. And, uh, but we didn't know what to do. We just said, okay, we're going to pray. We pray that God can provide us some water. So we uh, continue to pray, 
and we share this uh, story to our, our friend in that live in America. So they said, uh, uh, how much the cost for the, for, uh, to dig the well? So we told them the, the price, and uh, then we have enough money to dig the well for this family. And uh, when, when we dig the well, it's just the water just gushing, flowing, overflowing. and overflowing. All of a sudden, every, all the well by the neighbor would dry out. <laughs> so we thought like, uh-oh, we're going to cause trouble again. And rather, rather than uh, we be we, we afraid, and all of a sudden, the neighbor just came and collect the water in our area. And we told them that this is the living water. Come and take it free. Jesus loves you. In addition to church ministries, um, we, we saw overwhelming needs among children in Cambodia. Um, you see, um, public schools are supposed to be free, but um, in corrupt society, they only teach about half of the curriculums um, during the day. So the children from grade um, K to 12, if you go to half day of school and what well, of all subjects. If you want to pass the grade, you must take private tutor lesson with the uh, teachers uh, for all kinds. So some kids um, excel, go on their own, but they will take at least two, three, two um, um, uh, tutoring class for each subject to pass. So we saw this an overwhelming need, and because the children who, um, a family, a poor family like this lady with five kids, um, there's elimination process. She cannot, obviously cannot support all five kids to go to school. So they would choose the smartest kid and keep him in school. And the one who's not so smart uh, stay home to work. And so the boys mostly got picked out to be in school, but the girls didn't have a chance. So we saw this in overwhelming need, and we, we uh, decided to partner with local leaders um, who can see clearly which family was in need. And so we subsidize the payment for that schooling and make sure that the kids in school. Our hard desire is to see um, children in school and to be a chance just to be kids. Uh, don't, uh, don't, we don't want them to grow too um, prematurely. And, and so this is one way that we, we, we can keep the kids on, to stop the vicious cycle of poverty because these ladies... She grew up in the Khmer Rouge regime. She never had school. So she doesn't have see father. She didn't have clear vision for what is uh, what it's like to have an education. And for us, our desire is help kids um, stay in school as long as they can. And if they cannot study by book smart, we can teach them, uh, enroll them in a trade school. Another way to stop the vicious cycle of, of poverty is um, kids over there but having half the day free, they wander around in Rome and they got themselves got, um, in, involved in drugs or addictive substance and some of them were recruited to, uh, to join gangster. And so a lot of difficulties. So one way we can uh, help the young people stay whole and um, clean is by through soccer ministry. And so soccer is international language for uh, beside America, I guess. <laughs> and so you bring a ball, you don't need the language, you just go and toss and take a kick. And see, this is one way to keep kids out of school from drug. And they see that some of those kids have potential, have talents, but they never have a chance to play in the real team because they were not chosen, not picked. So this is one way. 
Our heart, because we grew up in a war zone, we never had a chance to be a child, to be a teenager, what's like. So our heart is to see some young people don't want them, don't, we don't want them robbed of their childhood. This is our way to show them. So beside church ministry, our passion is always with the youth ministry. No matter what, how busy we are, we make room for young people in our home. And uh, as a missionary, um, our role is church planters, but we wear many hats. And one of those hats is youth ministry. And we oversee um, national youth ministry. And every year we have conference around April time. Um, anywhere about five to 700 kids come together and fellowship. And this is a time also we, they get to know meet one another because they live so distant far away. And um, so this is one way that, um, you know, when we share the gospel to Cambodia, we said, what you say about Jesus is right and noble, but I cannot hear you because my stomach is growling. So we can't shove the gospel into their throat. We have to meet them at where they are. In this situation, the children who lack education, who lack proper training, they are smart, they got a chance to go to school, but they can't because they don't have the means. So we come alongside them. What can we work with them? So our aim, our goal is to, to give kids opportunity, a better chance for a higher education, and to stop the lowering from going across the border and become the next sex victim in another country. And so would you pray for the, Cambo the, Cam the children of Cambodia um, that they are the future leader of the country, but they have to start today by learning educating well. And so if you feel called to that, this is our heart and passion as well too. And that's why we shared with you um, um, last night about the, uh, the need for uh, a low-wing ministry center. It's one way to keep the kids in the community. And also another thing that... Uh you keep praying for the kids in Cambodia. A lot of young people, they got addicted to the phone, iPhone, the phone. And you probably would be surprised that here with the phone and everything, but over there, they have a phone and then they just like, like um, um, uh, addicted to this phone and sometimes they don't go to school and sometimes they, 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 they just uh, spending time with this phone and, and continue to pray for them and also drug. Uh, cocaine and everything is all over Cambodia. And uh, so we, this is one of the huge problems in Cambodia because like we work with the youth, the national youth, and this is the issues that we are facing. So we appreciate for you to continue to pray for them and uh, that they get out of this uh, cycle and uh, they were poisoned in, uh, uh, by the society and uh, they were the victim for the society. So we ask you to continue to pray for them. And that's why we create what? Uh, soccer ministry. That's why we create what? Uh, some skill uh, or training, uh, some Trace. fellowship, yeah. and uh, that, that this kid can come to our area. And uh, rather than just like uh, um, using drugs or uh, this addicted to the phone, so they can come and play sport and just being a kid. Yeah. And we are so thankful and thank you for uh, sharing with you today. If you can... Please come and join us to Cambodia. Thank you. Sure. God bless you all, church. We're so happy to be here this night. Dios lo bendiga a todos. With the grace in Espanol, 
in Spanish people. So we're here to praise God, first of all, and to give him the glory, the honor, because he's the only one who deserves that. Estamos aquí para adorar a nuestro Dios y para darle toda la honra y toda la gloria porque solamente Él se lo merece. I'm going to invite you to stand up and sing with us this night.
you. On an isolated mountainside in East Asia, impoverished villagers are learning trades to better provide for their families. As they work, they hear the story of Jesus in their own language. Generations before them struggled as subsistence farmers, living in fear of evil spirits. Alliance workers are here, helping these villagers have a better life and hope in Jesus. Near a dusty plain in Southeast Asia, littered with landmines and remnants of war, a network of home churches is bringing life where death once reigned. People are meeting Jesus. Sisters share with brothers. Neighbors share with neighbors. Former enemies are finding unity in Christ. In this area once considered a wasteland for the gospel, vibrant alliance fellowships are springing up. In a sprawling West African city, a young man once called cursed for his physical deformity and turned away by his family is hearing a different message. Love and acceptance, a family to belong to, a new identity in Jesus. As many of our workers discipled him, his life was transformed. He can't help but do the same for others now. God is opening up new pathways to ministries like these around the world. As a movement of Alliance believers, we follow Jesus' example and commands, loving and helping people in His name. We are serving communities through vocational expertise that impacts the whole person and their society. We are multiplying church networks that create even more churches to serve the unreached in their communities and beyond. And we are developing people who will disciple others to be leaders with a passion for Jesus. From our founding, Alliance people have come together to take the gospel to the neglected places where Christ's name has not been named. Today, more than three billion people still have little to no chance of hearing the good news. But God is forging new pathways to these peoples once out of reach. He is calling us to join Him, to follow Him to regions beyond. Good evening. Salami, I'm a 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because we, you, you called us from the darkness and you made us your children, your family. 
And the only reason for our presence here is to praise your name. And we cannot praise your name without dedicating ourselves to you. Surrender ourselves totally to you. And you deserve. You deserve our surrender. You deserve our hearts. You deserve to take all our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Modibo was about 10 years old when he came to our hospital in West Africa. He had had a common childhood accident. Um, he was climbing a tree and he fell and broke his arm. Well, he lived a few hours from the nearest hospital and his dad was out of town, so his family took him to someone who they thought could help nearby. And the treatment given was to tie a tourniquet around um, his arm above the fracture. Well, the tourniquet was very tight. And so after some time with no blood flow to that arm, no circulation, it began to become necrotic, to die. And so his family realized something needed to be done. So they borrowed a motorcycle from a friend and they brought Modibo on the two-hour drive to our hospital. And unfortunately, it was too late. There was nothing that could be done to bring life back to Modibo's arm. And so Modibo had his arm amputated and he spent the next few months at our hospital for women and children where I've been working as a nurse. And during his time at the hospital, he soaked up the love and the attention that he received from our staff. He loved watching the Jesus film and hearing Bible stories. And he was really moved by the fact as he learned that Jesus had died on the cross to pay for his sins so that he could be saved. Well, Fatumata, when she was about 13 years old, began to lose weight. And she was living in a village. Her family took her to a clinic that was in the village, and they tried various treatments, but nothing helped. And her family was concerned. She was getting worse. And so they took the trip in from the village to our hospital, and Fatumata was diagnosed with diabetes. Well, over the months that followed, uh, Fatumata learned how to control her blood sugars and how to give herself insulin injections. You see her here in the center of the photo already looking a lot healthier. Fatumata hadn't ever been to school, uh, so our staff taught her how to read. Well, in time, as she regained health, she looked like a new person. Well, Fatumata also heard about Christ at our hospital, and her family gave their blessing when she told them that she wanted to follow Christ. One day she came to us and she said, don't call me Fatumata anymore. I'm Elizabeth now. She had read about, heard about Elizabeth in the Bible and she wanted everyone to know that she now had a new identity as a follower of Jesus. Not only did she look like a new person, she was a new person. Well, before I became a missionary, um, I had no idea how much my life would be blessed by the friends that I would make in West Africa, young and old, and especially friends like Elizabeth and Modibo. What I did know was that God had placed a burden on my heart for people who hadn't had an opportunity to hear. And I hoped that God could use me in some way to make an impact. 
when I was in high school, I had sensed that God was, was asking me to be willing to serve wherever he would take me. And I wasn't sure how he would lead, um, but I'm a practical person and I wanted tangible skills. And so when I met some medical missionaries, I thought, hmm, maybe that's something I could do. Well, I wasn't really interested in becoming a physician, but nursing seemed like it was something that could fit some of my giftings and a great way to serve people. And so I went to nursing school after high school graduation. And after I graduated from nursing school, I got a job in a local ICU. And I loved that job. And I thought, maybe this is how God wants me to serve him. I can help patients and their families as they go through Uh, health crises here in Cleveland. Well, it was during that time that I happened upon a book on my parents' bookshelf written by a missionary surgeon in Africa, David Thompson. And as I read that book, God used it to confirm the call that he had placed on my life as a teenager. And I knew that he had bigger dreams for me than I had for myself and that he wanted me to pursue going overseas. And so I took steps to prepare, um, and I went on some short-term missions trips, and one of those was to West Africa. And God put a special love in my heart for the people of West Africa. And while I was there, I saw the vast uh, physical needs as well as the spiritual needs. And so a few years later, um, after I finished my preparations um, and I was getting ready to go. There was a hospital for women and children being opened up. In French, the Hôpital Femme et Enfant. And they were looking for a few American nurses to join the African staff and the few medical missionaries who were already on the ground. And so um, I arrived at the hospital just a few months after it opened. Well, although we're in a predominantly Muslim area... Um, we're able to be an openly Christian hospital and to share Christ with our patients. And people aren't quick to make a decision that could be costly, that might mean that they'll be rejected or persecuted by family and friends. But what an incredible privilege it has been to see God transform lives and to be part of his work in their lives. And I want to share with you the continuation of Modi Bowes and Elizabeth's stories. Well, Elizabeth, um, over time, learned how to control her diabetes. It wasn't always easy. Um, She had the opportunity to attend a girls' school, a Christian school that had been started for girls who hadn't ever had a chance to go to school as children, and so in their teens could attend this Christian school. And there she was discipled. She grew in her ability to read and write, and she learned some practical skills. And we watched Elizabeth blossom into a beautiful woman. Well, after she finished that program, um, she went to visit some family members in a neighboring country. And on the trip back from that, um, from visiting her relatives, it took a few days and buses and bus stations. And during that time, she got sick. And lacking the health care that she needed while she was on the road, Elizabeth passed away. And we, when we got the news, we were heartbroken. If only Elizabeth had made it to our hospital in time, she probably wouldn't have died. But Elizabeth is alive in heaven today. And although it's hard to tell you the story of a young woman dying, I'm so thankful. I love that I can tell you that Elizabeth met Jesus at our hospital, that her life was transformed, and that you and I will see her in heaven one day. 
Modibo, he finished high school this past year. And over these last several years, he has um, been living with a Christian family nearby to our hospital. His family, because there are not very many schooling options in his village, and because Modibo had decided to follow Christ, they allowed him to stay with this Christian family. And so he was able to attend a Christian middle school and then a good high school. He was baptized. And he's known for his joy in his servant's heart. Wherever he goes, he brings joy. Well, Modibo, he, ever since he came to our hospital, he really had the desire to become a physician. But unfortunately, maybe due to his handicap, um, they didn't allow him to follow the medical track in college. And so Modibo is studying to become a teacher, and he wants to impact young people for Christ. God is writing a story in the world today. And there are more Modibos and more Elizabeths who need to hear, who are waiting to hear the good news of how loved they are in Jesus and the incredible hope that they can have in Christ. And you know, God wants to write us, each one of us, into the story that he's writing. We get to be part of what he's doing in the world. And so I want to ask you this evening, especially to the youth, are you willing this evening to say, Lord, I surrender my life, my future to you. You are so good. I trust you to use me in whatever way you think is best. I surrender to you. I give myself to you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the ways that you are at work in the world and that you call us to be part of what you are doing. What a privilege, Lord. Thank you so much for that, that privilege, that opportunity you give us. Lord, we pray for the Modibos and Elizabeths who haven't yet had an opportunity to hear, that they would hear. Give us a heart for the lost people around us and the lost people around the world. And Lord, I pray for each one who is sensing in their heart tonight that, yes, I want to surrender my life to you. I dedicate my life to you as we heard sung so beautifully in Arabic. Lord, I pray that they would sense your presence near to them, that you would give them courage and strength and guidance in the steps that you would have them to take and the path that you have for them. Thank you, Jesus. We give our lives to you. In your name we pray. Amen.
our amazing God together, knowing that he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of all. Tonight, as we move into this next song, I just want you guys to really understand that when we go to heaven, there's going to be a great, great celebration. That God is going to be so thrilled and so excited to meet us, and we will be as well to see him face to face. So as we sing this next song and our, this last song, just I really want you guys to open your hearts and open your minds and know that there's going to be a massive homecoming, that the Spirit is moving among us, and that when we get to heaven, God will be so pleased to see us.
guys could all, if you guys could all bow your heads with me and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this amazing event that we're able to have here. Lord, I, I, I like how they said in that song that, that the, thank God the stone was rolled away, Lord. Lord, thank God, because, because the, you rolled the stone away, Lord, and that gave us the opportunity to have all of our sins forgiven and come to you, Lord. That gave us forgiveness. That gave us, that, that gave us a safe place, Lord. Um, I thank you that, that we were able to have an event like this, and, and we, don't have to be, we don't have to be worried, Lord. I, I thank you that we're able to, to worship you and not in fear, but, but with pride, Lord. Lord, I, I thank you for, for the children in Cambodia. Lord, I thank you for Soot and Sina Lao, for they are doing your work in Cambodia, Lord. I thank you that they have answered their callings and they are using the gifts that you have given them for your glorification, Lord. I pray that the people in Cambodia will have peace, Lord. They will have peace knowing that they are in your presence. They are in your presence, Lord. I pray you give them that peace because you are the prince of peace and every peaceful moment comes from you, Lord. Um, I thank you for the wonderful works that Jessica Schaefer is doing in West Africa, Lord, because so many people out there don't have, don't, don't have the means to, to get good health care and they don't have, they don't have the, the blessings that we have here, Lord. And uh, I thank you for these wonderful wonderful um, international workers that we have across the globe. Um, I, I just want to pray over this moment, Lord. I want to pray that, that maybe some people here will find their calling, Lord, because, because so many people do have this calling to international works, and they just don't know it. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I, I, if we could have just a moment, just to, just to sit, pray, Lord. Lord, all for your glorification. And they all said, amen and amen. Listen, thank you so much for coming. Uh, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm so glad you're all able to come. Um, so Soot and Sina Lau will have a table out in the hallway um, behind these doors uh, with all the information you will need to sign up for um, their email that they will be sending out um, and for some prayers uh, for, for the children in Cambodia. Thank you all so much and good night.